Washington State's desire to make every class into ethnic studies. Biden's OMB plans to divide America into more racial groups. And moving beyond the politics of pity. Welcome to Fair News Weekly. To read all of the articles discussed in this podcast, please visit this podcast's episode description. Dear Friends of Fair, on March 27th, Fair sent a letter to Felix Festa Achievement Middle School in West Nyack, New York. The letter was in response to incident reports we had received on fair transparency regarding the school's plans for the National Day of Silence, in which students were asked to show support for the LGBTQ community by remaining silent throughout the school day and wearing all-black clothing. The reports alleged that students who did not want to participate were effectively forced to in order to avoid being bullied and harassed. The intention of the National Day of Silence to raise awareness of homophobia is commendable. However, as Fair pointed out in our letter, schools have a legal responsibility to ensure that the way they handle events does not create an environment that compels speech or promotes bullying and harassment of students. Events like the Day of Silence, in which students show their support for a social cause on a specified day, week, or month of the year, are becoming increasingly common. It's crucial that schools understand why it's important to ensure that these events are run in a way that's inclusive to all students. Parents and community members can play a role in alerting schools to these issues as well. That is why we've created this template letter, which can be modified to address new events of this kind as they come up. A link to this template can be found in the description below. We hope that it can be an effective tool for concerned parents and community members in their efforts to ensure that their school is creating a positive, tolerant environment. Warmly the team at the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. In Fair Substack, David J. Ferrero wrote in opposition to a proposal in Washington state that would require K-12 public schools to teach every academic subject through an ethnic studies lens. He writes, Pointing out the origins and political aims of ethnic studies does not discredit its point of view, but it does remind us that it is a point of view. Despite proponents' claims, ethnic studies does not promote the teaching of multiple perspectives. It applies a single perspective to teaching about multiple ethnic groups. It is not just social conservatives who object to it. The ethnic studies perspective is contested by reputable scholars in the humanities and social sciences and rejected by many members of the ethnic and racial groups for whom ethnic studies claims to speak. Requiring the ethnic studies lens across K-12 learning standards is therefore akin to requiring a feminist or libertarian lens. Those ideologies and others should be taught somewhere in the school curriculum, but they should be taught as rival interpretive frameworks and objects of analysis. None should be enshrined in state learning standards or in local curricula as settled doctrine. In Fair's Substack, Fair in Medicine director Carrie Mendoza shares a touching story from her experience as an emergency medicine physician, showing hospital staff acting as a local Moses, helping patients on a personal exodus to better health. She concludes by connecting her experience to her work with Fair in Medicine. Mendoza writes, Fair in Medicine is pushing back against this concerning trend by defending our covenant to treat patients as individuals and by standing up for practitioners like Deb, who will go the extra mile for their patients. The majority of healthcare professionals disagree by prioritizing ideology above our patients. 
I'm proud that Farron Medicine can help to support them in our efforts to restore a medical culture that focuses on individual patients not as ideological pawns, but as unique human beings, which is so crucial to a healthcare system that works for everyone. For Quillette, Fair Advisor Eric Smith explained how the politics of pity actually ends up harming the groups of people that it is intended to help. Smith writes, Of course, we should pay attention to those most in need, but what we have now is a kind of surplus pity that is perpetuating delusions about the Black American condition. Pity as political strategy, if it was ever truly worthwhile, has run its course. Many activists focused on racial justice wonder how they can do their part for Black History Month. Readers of this essay should take on Stewart's request to determine what happens when a show of suffering becomes a requirement for political recognition. For The Washington Post, Angel Adams Parham and Annika Prather argue that classical education can benefit students from all backgrounds. They write, We see how the students we teach today combine the challenges and riches of their own lives with insights from classic literature. So, down with classics and classical education? Not while we have the chance to invite our students to inhabit its crossroads and engage as interlocutors in its conversations with Plato, Avernos, Fibonacci, Wheatley, and many more. These are our real teachers, and we submit that we all have much to learn from them. For the Wall Street Journal, John F. Early argued that a proposed change to how U.S. agencies collect and publish data on race and ethnicity is focused on being able to control, reward, and punish the population by racial classification. Early states, The proposal would increase the number of primary racial groups for data collection to seven from five. First, it would split the current category of white into two, one called white for people with European ancestry and another called Middle East and North Africa, or MENA. Second, it would redefine Hispanic, currently an independent ethnic classification, as a race. That yields seven races, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, Indian American, Native Hawaiian, and MENA. Respondents to government surveys or forms would be asked to select one or more races from the list. This would replace the current method by which people are first asked whether they are Hispanic or Latino, and then asked to select races from the original five options. In The Telegraph, Alex Diggins profiles fair advisor Rosie Kay and her new dance troupe, Five Soldiers, which is touring the UK now. Diggins writes, Kay set about crowdfunding support for her new company, K2CO, and created a Freedom of Expression Charter. It promises her workplace will be a safe space where we are free to express our thoughts and feelings without fear of being silenced, shut down, or canceled. And those she works with will be encouraged to sign. What's the alternative? That I'd be terrified and keep quiet and not speak out? We need the rebels. We're the resistance, says Kay, 46, who has now raised enough money to tour a new production of Five Soldiers, a 2010 piece that launched her career as a choreographer. It follows a troop of infantry squatties from training through to deployment, and then, in a final shattering sequence, the aftermath of an IED attack. While her 2020 production was performed by four men and one woman, the new work includes two women in the cast, with one crucially playing a senior commanding officer. It felt like the right piece to come back with, Kay explains, as RAF gunners clank and bustle about the Chinook hangar where we're meeting outside Oxford. It's light and quick to get back up on its feet. 
It's deep, and it's real. When Kay first began researching the piece in 2009, she expected some hostility from the military. But what surprised me was the hostility from the arts world. The implication was that even by looking at the military, you must be right-wing. We want the Fair Substack to be the go-to publication for diverse perspectives on culture and civil rights. Whether you're a seasoned author or an amateur writer with a story that can contribute to our mission of promoting fairness, understanding, and humanity, we would love to receive your stories, opinions, investigations, reviews, interviews, and more. Please send your piece to submissions at fairforall.org. We hope to hear from you. Finally, if you liked this podcast, subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave us a rating and review. Make sure to check out our newsletter and weekly roundup to read more into any of this week's stories. Or visit the episode description. Donations are always welcome at fairforall.org slash donate.